Well, you're just no fun, then. I'm not. You're no fun. You're no fun. He's no fun to me dead. Alrighty. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? You are one pathetic loser. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the podcast where we discuss the best and worst movies from the 90s. This is Real 90s. If you're going to spew, spew into this. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. What's your favorite scary movie? You can't handle the truth! On episode two of Real 90, we will discuss the 1990 action sci-fi sequel, Predator 2. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Eric M. Hunter. I'm Ricky W. Glore. I'm Nick, no middle initial prince. You are a liar. It's Benjamin. Everyone know it's Benjamin. It's me. The meow meow is out of the sack. It's telling everybody. Damn it. So other than the obvious, gents, what movies have you guys been watching? I've watched a slew of movies this past two weeks. Slew! So, okay, is it just me? Or are, like, I'm suddenly in, like, a movie-watching mood now. Like, before I was just watching, like, TV shows, but since we started doing this, like, it's been nothing but movies. Yeah. Well, I think I watched a lot just because a lot of the Golden Globes just were just passed. So I was just trying to watch all of those and have my opinions on those. I didn't get to, I didn't watch the Golden Globes, but I'd have to say my two favorites that I just watched this past week were either Gravity, which I really enjoyed, or uh, and Captain Phillips. But of course, I have a man crush on Tom Hanks, so I'm going to like anything that he's in. Of course you do. I do. Both of those were really good. I wish I, I I wish I was able to see Gravity in theaters, but I, I wasn't able to. But um, I mean, just even even on the TV, it's it's amazing. It's really good. So side tangent: since you said uh, Tom Hanks is your man crush, you got to pick one guy you'd be gay for and one female celebrity if you could. Who would they be? That you would also be gay for. That <laughs> you would also be gay for. Uh, let's see. I mean, Akunas would be the girl. Okay. And. Uh, Good thing your wife's listening. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. I don't know. She already knows that, though. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, I guess Tom Hanks? I don't know. We would just we just have a lot of pillow talk. <laughs> Cuddles. <laughs> Eric, what would be yours? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Christina Ricci. That's good. I like that you already knew it. Mine's uh, Ryan Reynolds and Salma Hayek. Ryan Reynolds? Really? Ryan Reynolds? Why? It's him or, him or Ben Affleck. I don't know. He just... Just seems like a fun guy. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't take things too seriously. He kind of reminds me of a uh, a Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Especially in uh, Van Wilder. Yeah, like a suaver Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. So, Hunter, what have you watched? Uh, Heathers. Watched Heathers a couple nights ago. Haven't seen it in a while. It's uh, Good choice. It's way creepier than I remember it being. I love my gay son. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm watching it with the wife, and the wife hasn't seen it before, and I'm trying to tell her what it's about, and then once I ch- when I start, like, reciting what this, the story is, I'm thinking, she's not going to be able to understand this, because it, it doesn't make any sense, really, because it takes the whole idea of, you know, school violence as, like, a joke, and suicide is a joke, but it's real, and it's a cool thing to do, uh, and it's, so, I mean, Christian Slater's great in it, and I... He's that's one of my favorite movies of him, and um, uh, Pump Up the Volume. That's another one of his that I really liked. He's just he's got that that eighties flair. You know what I mean? Like he's him and like John Cusack and 
even Johnny Depp, like they all have like that eighties look that was like perfect for the era. And Heather's is such a, a weird movie that, and actually it spawned so many other great titles as the decades went on, like Jawbreaker and, you know, even things with like Teaching Mrs. Tangle and Scream and Mean Girls, The Faculty. There's a bunch of them. But a movie like that wouldn't be made now. Like nobody would see that, you know, because I mean, essentially it's a, it's a movie about suicide and how it's put on this pedestal and it's considered, I mean, that's one way to take it anyway. Of like how cool it is. They are making it nowadays, but each incarnation of it is dumbed down a little bit. Like, because Jawbreakers is a little graphic, but not as dark as Heather's. And then Mean Girls is not very dark at all, but it's another dulled down version of Heather's and Jawbreaker. Both of you guys ever seen uh, Recess, the Disney TV show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have a Heather's, or it's not the Heather's. It's Ashley, Ashley, and Ashley. That's what it is, yeah. Which I always wondered. I mean, I know a lot of girls are named Ashley, but I wondered if that was taken from Heather's. Oh, I'm sure it was. The idea is the same. That's messed up. There's this clique of girls, and they all have the same name, and they kind of rule the playground. And dress alike. Yeah, and they dress alike. They talk alike. They say the same kind of words. I think one of my favorite lines in that in Heather's was one of the Heather said it. It was something. It was at the very beginning when they were in the cafeteria, and she said something like uh, "Screw me with a chainsaw" or something like that. <laughs> And I was like, that is fucking dark. (laughs) Nobody writes like that anymore. I watched for the first time a movie that I've talked about not really being that jazzed about seeing. There's uh, two movies that fall in that category. Dirty Dancing, which I watched for the first time like a year ago. Oh, my God. Didn't really care for. But I I mean, you know what? But I got why it was it's popular. Right. But this, what I just watched the other day, was Footloose with Kevin Bacon. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Never seen it. Footloose came out in 1984. It's I thought it was terrible. Not only is it cheesy, the movie's just kind of all over the place. John Lithgow is the preacher of this town who has gotten rock and roll and dancing banned from the town. He's got that banned because his son, a couple years earlier, had gotten into a car accident because they were drinking and driving. And I'm like, wait, rock and roll music and dancing didn't get your son into an alcohol-induced car accident. Hey, that's how it was back in the 30s and 40s with jazz and liquor, man. Same thing. The movie has uh, amazing music. Theme song alone by Kenny Loggins, Footloose, is great. It is. Now I gotta cut loose, footloose, kick off the Sunday. by john cougar mellencamp then there was the remake in 2011 with juliana howe and i heard that it's exactly the same as the original movie which that can't help it it's a good remake (laughs) take a bad movie and just remake it again yeah. I, I don't see how people like the original. The original is the uh, the daughter of John Lithgow, who's the younger sister of the guy, her brother who had died, is a borderline chick. Throughout the whole movie, she's trying to commit suicide, and it's supposed to be charming. And then she gets hit like five, like five times. Like her ex-boyfriend beats the shit out of her. Her dad hits her. This movie sounds great. Oh, this movie's so bad. It's so, so... Chris... Uh, 
Kevin Bacon teaches Chris Penn how to dance. Nice. Yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker's in it. You know, stellar cast. Commercial break. Breaking for commercial. Introducing Alien vs. Predator for the 64-bit Atari Jaguar. You might not want to play it alone. Los Angeles, 1997. It's the hottest summer on record. Pollution is choking the city. The gangs control the streets. It has not been a nice day! As bad as things are, they're about to get worse. Much worse. Whoever killed him is gonna pay. I'm gonna finish it. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Incredible. Whoever did this took out four men armed with machine guns by hand. You don't know what you're dealing with. Other world life forms drawn by heat and conflict. He's on safari. Lions. Tigers. The bears. Oh my. Danny Glover, Gary Busey, Ruben Blades, Maria Conchita Alonso, Bill Paxton. Predator 2. He's in town with a few days to kill this Thanksgiving. Uh, and we're back. We're going to go ahead and hop into our review of Predator 2, which was my pick for this week. Released November 21st, 1990, Predator 2 is the action sci-fi sequel to Predator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Directed by Stephen Hopkins, Predator 2 brings the horror to the city streets of Los Angeles amongst a terror group war where one man, a veteran LAPD, stands between this alien hunter and his prey. Starring Danny Glover, Gary Busey, Bill Paxton, and Kevin Peter Hall reprising his role as the Predator. Predator 2, guys. Predator 2. Predator 2. A little bit more factual information. It was released November 21st, 1990 by 20th Century Fox. Home Alone was released by 20th Century Fox on November 16th, 1990, five days earlier. And if nobody sees that connection, Home Alone was our first episode. That was our pick for our first episode. Yeah. That's pretty weird coincidence. Did you have any idea, Hunter? No. I think, come on. I picked a movie that was was released five days later in 1990 in the same month by the same production company. Stranger things have happened. Do you think when they're having board meetings when 20th Century Fox was deciding what to release in the month of November, you know, the big holiday movie releases, 
they're like Home Alone and Predator 2. Yeah, Predator 2 is going to clean up the box offices. Came in fourth. Up for the year? Yeah. Damn. All right, Predator 2, tell us what you thought, Eric, for your pick, after not seeing it for so long. Yeah, it's been easily 10 years since I've seen this movie, and it's pretty much what I remember it to be. It's just a, kind of a no-nonsense action film. Uh, I really enjoy the Predator character. I think he's just great. His whole backstory is great. Everything about him, his look, his feel, the presence that he brings on screen. I mean, it's this is one of those movies you really. I mean, you, it's you know, it's not Forrest Gump. It's not Home Alone. You know, you're right. It's not it's, a good movie. Well, it's not supposed to be. It's just supposed to be a fun action film where people. Ugh. No, I think it's a great movie for what it is. I think it's. Uh, I liked it. Here's what my problem was, is I thought, between the two, it's it's pretty much the same story. You know, Predator Predator comes down to Earth, terrorizing people. We don't really know what's happening. But my thing with this is that the casting killed this movie. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean... Danny Glover is not a lead role actor. No. No. He, he was great, and, and I just to be sure, with I went back and looked at Lethal Weapon, which he isn't really the lead character in that, but... I just wanted to see if just his acting in general was not that good. And he's he's good in Lethal Weapon. I mean, yes, he's playing alongside Mel Gibson. But I don't think Danny Glover is the type of character that can run around, scream, yell, hoot and holler, which is all he did in this and Predator 2. So not just casting. Just to piggyback on what you said, Nick, is that we're supposed to assume that since Danny Glover is playing another familiar cop, that we don't need any character development. And just knowing that he's a pissed off cop that likes to catch the bad guys right. isn't enough. Every cop in these kind of movies is pissed off. And wants to catch the bad guys. Well, yeah, it's the 90s. I mean, that's kind of the whole story with the whole cop drama. It's this pissed off cop, has a rough life, always goes against what the captain says. And this In this movie, there's no difference. He's always going in the building whenever the captain said, do not go in the building, whatever you do, he goes in. He plays against Gary Busey's FBI-type uh, character all the time, getting in places where he shouldn't have been. Which is another horrible, makes this movie horrible, is Gary Busey was the best thing in this movie, I felt. And that's and that's sad. Oh, I like Bill Paxton. Yeah. I thought Bill Paxton was well. Good. Oh, Bill God. Paxton was he he was all Bill right, Paxton. but he was playing the exact same character that he played in Aliens. What's wrong well, with that? That was yeah. a great character. Well, no, I'm not saying that it, he was a horrible character. It's just it's sad that, that that that's the only thing I remember this from this movie is Bill Paxton's character. Well, and we we get little exposition of Bill Paxton. He's a loner from another district, but that's about it. Characters used for comic relief are like the one joke, the one liners, but. There's still zero character development. And the Predator even begins to feel a little light in character development. A sequel's supposed to expose the character that you know that's from the movie before. And we're supposed to learn about more about his world, more about who he is, why he's doing what he's doing. And we don't get that till the end of the movie. Right, there should have been more of like an origin sequel, not a just Predator taken out of the woods and put in the city with the exact same kind of storyline. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you guys are comparing this to like Aliens. Which, that makes sense, because they go to the alien home planet, whereas in Predator 2, I mean, yeah, you're taking Predator from the jungle and putting him in the city streets. I mean, that's that was the whole premise, you know? And that's it. Right, and they just failed at it. Yeah. That's why, I mean, I haven't seen all of them, but none of them go back to a city. Predators, which came out in, what, 2010, they go to, to their planet. Right. Well, or at least a planet, not Earth. Which is a bunch of, like, Special Forces characters go right. in, and they're hunted. So they go back... Into the jungle, which I think the reason I like Predator over Predator 2 so much is just because Predator, to me, feels timeless. I can watch that now, and it doesn't feel dated, where Predator 2 feels very dated. Oh, yeah, it's super dated. (laughs) Like, it's it's horribly dated. Which is hilarious. Why is the movie set in 1997? I I thought about that, too, and I'm thinking just so they could be 10 years later. 
after the first one so that Gary Busey can have that line really? of they've been here, they've been there, we've seen them here, we've seen them in this jungle, you know, rather than, oh, yeah, we saw them at some place down south. But did did we have to say a specific year? We could definitely go with it's in the future where apparently Zoot Suits and dressing like the 40s is back in for no explanation. Um, Which I'm okay with. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, just don't call it 1997 because you immediately date your movie. Like Escape from New York, I think, is set in 1997, and that movie came out in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, other than the it being 10 years apart, that's the only reason I can think that it would be 1997. One little fun like fact I saw from uh, just in IMDb on the little trivia parts, but uh, everyone, if you notice, everybody is sweating. Constantly sweaty shirts, mm-hmm. everybody's sweating, and the whole reason they wanted to do that is to push the whole the earth is warmer, global warming. It's set in the future, so the earth is going to Which hell. Which doesn't make any sense because they don't even play into that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. it's, got, they just, it's just kind of like a side note, like little everybody's sweating. Like I'm that's fine it. with if they want to bring something like global warming up in a movie, that's great. But if it doesn't affect the protagonist or the antagonist, then what's the point? You know, like why can't it just right. be a hot right. Well, it does, but they don't explain it, and it's actually one of the more interesting parts of the movie. They talk about it right at the beginning that the only reason the predator that is there is because he's drawn to intense heat. Areas of intense heat. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a stretch. But they, they mention Gary Busey gives it in the well, but he, he says it in the exposition. He says Beirut, whatever jungle they're in in the first movie, whatever this place, this place, jungles, 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 and they're intensely hot. And then I think L.A. had its hottest, it's like 117 degrees or something. Right. But yeah. even that, they they contradict within the movie because then the place where they trap him is a slaughterhouse in the butcher's freezer. Right. Where he eats, where it's cold, where if he's attracted to heat, he obviously doesn't like cold, isn't going to go to there. Yeah. Where he eats the cattle that's being hung, but then why doesn't he eat his victims? Because they're trophies. Yeah, he's just collecting their... Which you never really see. Do you ever see him collect skulls in this Yeah, one? he collects... Um, yeah, it's King Willie. No. Oh. That's the skull he collects. And he I didn't think that this was down. that... Gr- I didn't think that this gr- thing was uh, great of an action film either. It, it was just more of a gore. Like, they didn't really have a... It was just... Like, the first one, to me, was structured very well. Had great... Which, of course, you had McTiernan, which is one of the best action film directors, going with Die Hard and all that, so... And this one, you had Stephen Hopkins. Who directed Nightmare on Elm Street 5, which was the second lowest Elm Street. There was just a lot of gore. And, and here's my thing. is like At the very end, you get that shock where, where Danny Glover finds their ship, which is under whatever, the butcher's, uh, the, the freezer place. Which is easily the best ending to a sci-fi movie ever. Yeah, I mean, there was shock in it. Like, all of a sudden, he, he battles. Yes, but you're waiting, you're waiting an hour and a half right. for a good last <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. What's wrong with that? I don't know. Chop off the first hour and a half. Because the rest of it's garbage. The lines are garbage. The action's garbage. I think you guys are just looking into it too much. Like, I think you guys are trying to find some earth-shattering remembrance of some age-old, you know, uh, passage where it's, 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 we're going to throw shit up against the wall and see what sticks. And I think it works that way. I'm just trying to find a good movie. (laughs) But it's a bad sequel. Like, maybe if this was the first movie where I wasn't sitting there already with knowledge of, of the Predator, I would enjoy it more. But because it's trying to blend, like, a Lethal Weapon-type movie with stuff they did with Predator, with just putting him in the city, it's a bad sequel. Bad character development about 
characters dying that you care nothing about. You say it's a bad sequel. I could only pick two series of films that didn't have a bad sequel. They're all bad sequels. I do not agree. Really? Yeah. I, I For one, I don't think Predator, the first one, is that great of a movie to begin with. And they took, like, the second one should have been a lot of fun. And it just, it wasn't. I would have liked if they, at the end you see all the Predators, so where the hell were they the whole entire movie? If they should have all been a, on the ship. Exactly. What, just hanging out? Yeah. Why? It would have been a lot better if they, I think they, it should have been, they should have all been throughout the whole city. Terrorizing the whole city. That's not how the Predator works, though. Right, so then don't even show the rest of them. If it's just one individual Predator, stick with one Predator. Why do the cops or the LAPD or whatever they're called care about catching this guy that is doing their work for them? He's cleaning up the streets. Because he's still a mass murderer, Ricky. It's still against the law. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... Really? It's kind of okay, like, okay. Why, Here's do you, a perfect why example. do you go after Batman? Yeah, that's exactly. You go after Batman because yeah. he's a vigilante. He's breaking the law. He feels that he is above the law. And nobody is above the law. You have to go after Batman. You have to go after Predator. To bring in some other trivia, this movie is a Lethal Weapon reunion. We have Danny Glover, who's Murtaugh in the whole series. We have Gary Busey, who's the villain Joshua in Lethal Weapon 1. And we have Stephen Cahan, who's the sergeant that gets killed at the beginning of the movie on the raid, who first tells Danny Glover, we shouldn't go in the building, we're supposed to wait. He's uh, Murtaugh and Riggs' captain throughout the whole Lethal Weapon series. I was definitely waiting for Danny Glover just to say I'm too old for this shit the whole time. I was watching this movie. But one thing that I noticed is Danny Glover's afraid of heights. His character's afraid of heights. Right. Isn't he afraid of heights <laughs> in every movie that he does? And he is in Saul, too. Yeah, he is in Lethal Weapon. I know that. Danny Glover in his contract is like, I'm afraid of heights. We got to work this into the movie. So, Nick, you watched uh, Predator, right? I did. Okay, let me ask you a question because I was kind of confused on this. Did they go in, or did you see the Predator do anything with the other uh, vision spectrums that he can switch over? No. Or was it always infrared? It was always just infrared, but always infrared until he took his helmet off, and then it was just like a big, like, flat red where you could see a little bit. But he never went, like in Predator 2, where he, he went through, like, different wavelengths of light okay. to see stuff. Yeah. So, no, no, you didn't see that. So that I, I mean, thought so. That one was cool. Because, well, yeah, it's cool. But I think what happened was is that the riders wrote themselves into a corner because they're like, okay, we've got this place and it's freezing cold. The Predator can't see heat. They're wearing these super special let's keep the heat in suits. How do we get them? It's a technical term. Yeah, like how do we get them to be seen by the Predator? He can see ultraviolet light. The light, you know, the flashlights are going off. Like, that's horseshit. And the other like, thing, too, is, like, so Predator's not aware until he turns. I mean, I guess he kind of hears a little bit, but they're going in there pretty loud. And pr- it seems like in, in the first movie, Predator, he could sense, like, the slightest bit of noise anywhere. Like, he had a great hearing. Right. And so they're just sneaking in there, and he doesn't notice anything until they're, like, almost right up on him. Well, I mean, they, they make it that this is a different Predator, obviously, because the other Predator died in the first one. Um, but not only that, like this, this predator is inexperienced. He's not used to being on earth. Like there's one section where, uh, when he gets his math mask taken off, uh, and he's getting ready to jump over the side of the building and gets his arm cut off and all that stuff. Right before that, you see him breathing through a breathing mask. There was no breathing mask in the first predator. Oh, was he breathing through? Yeah. So like, this is, this is a completely, 
And obvi- I mean, obviously, I did some research just on Predator as a whole, but there's different f- factions of Predators. And but this guy's like a newbie, like he's he's never really done anything like this before. You know what I mean? Like no predator would have l- allowed his own arm to get cut off by a human. Like that's, you know, that's that's a that's one on one when it comes to, you know, killing people <laughs> if you're a predator. So like he's it, like that's one of the things that I liked it because like he, he bumbles and he stumbles and he I mean, he, he reveals himself to a kid. I mean, that that would never have happened to a veteran predator who's done this before. So I think that would be great if they explored that within the movie, but we're just inferring that because of these maybe on purpose things, maybe accidental, but he also does something that he doesn't do in the first movie, which is he's got a personal vendetta, not just against people with weapons, but with Danny Glover. Like he singles him out like Arnold. He singles him out out because he's the last one alive. So he has to hunt him. He's the last game. Throughout this whole movie, he's teasing Danny Glover by leaving him certain things. So we're getting an idea of that he's not really the sportsman that he's supposed to be. Even though he doesn't kill the pregnant woman, he doesn't kill the kid because it's a fake gun. But yeah, his character is almost, as you said, more immature than the Predator in Predator 1. Which is interesting. I mean, which which might be one of the reasons why it ended the way it did. You know, because it's like you come down and it's, if you want to infer greatly, Predator that throws him the pistol from 1715, that could have been his dad. You know what I mean? And this is a memento for not killing my dumbass kid mm-hmm. who thought it'd be a good idea to go. Uh, what What's the story behind the pistol? There's got to be something that got cut from the, cut from the movie from that. Probably the when I first saw this movie, like the first time that I saw this, I was watching it with my dad, and I asked him the same question. I was like, "Why would they show? Why would he have this gun? Why would he throw him this gun from 1715?" And my dad told me, and I I believed it. I still believe it to this day because to me it makes sense. Is the reason that they zoomed up on the gun and they zoomed up on the year that it was made was to show that these predators have been around forever, you know. Like, they've been on Earth for yes. a long time, and it just goes to show how deep they are into right. it. And Yeah, and it also shows, like, we're going we're gonna to be around, too. You're not going to really right. stop us. Like, we're not new. You think we're new, that we just came to Earth? We're not new. We've been here for a long time. Maybe, they don't, they're, maybe they're not always on Earth, but this is one of their trophy places they stop by and have a little shindig and shoot, kill some people and take some trophies and leave. Well, I mean, since you looked up Predator stuff, Eric, you know that... When they go and they kill something and hunt, it's a rite of passage. It's becoming a man in the Predator world. Right. Yeah. But that's not explained in this movie. That's explained, I think, in <laughs> Alien versus Predator. Well, yeah. Which, this was actually, Predator 2 was the movie that uh, crossed the universes. Because at the very end, when you're looking at the skulls, there's an mm-hmm. alien skull. So, I liked it. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. I mean, I think I think visually it's stunning. Stephen Hopkins is a good visual director. What if it was the original script that the writers wrote where Peter Keyes, Gary Busey's part, was supposed to be Dutch, Arnold Schwarzenegger from the first movie? Right, which he declined and was super outspoken about not doing because he thought it was silly. He thought it was a bad script. And he decided to go do a different sequel, which yeah. was Terminator 2. Such a... That was a great decision. Oh, yeah. Terminator 2 is amazing. It doesn't even hold a candle to this movie. Wait, no. I mean that the other way around. 
because they're both in the science fiction kind of genre. Um, you said we we're comparing it too much to Aliens, which you do because of the crossover. Yeah. But you put it next to like Terminator 2, which is one of the sequels you were going to mention that's really good or better than the first, I believe, before. You put it next to Terminator 2. Terminator 2 does exactly what you should do for a sequel. Right. It explores the universe. It explores the characters. And you find out more. And it's bigger. And it's better. Oh, definitely. Predator 2 kind of feels like it's duller. Maybe a little bit gorier. The characters are not good. And we don't explore the Predator hardly at all. Except for the last 20 minutes on the spaceship. Which, again, I say is the coolest part of the movie. Yeah, so there were definitely some issues with the script. But I think some of the things that they were really going for worked. Like I really think they were going for like a very immature predator. And it really worked out for me. Like just the way that he was reacting and how, I mean, especially from predator one, like you would never see the predator just like chilling, watching everybody. Like, what are you guys doing? I got, I got some board games. You guys want to play some board games? (laughs) (laughs) He just wouldn't stand on top of a building. Like what up bitches? Yeah. Like, oh, I was going to take this body, but I'll wait because you guys are looking at it. Oh, you're not looking? Okay, mine. Well, and he's such a badass. Why would he care if they saw him take the body? I, I And again, I, I think it's just because he was immature. Like, he was, he was boasting, basically. You know, he had all the hardware, but he didn't have the brains to do it. Like, well, and another thing that really, like, when he shot that little spear projectile, he would have never left that just lying around if he knew where it was, you know? No. Yeah. Like to me, that was like the one well, of the first. Well, he remembers tips. it's there, but not, not before Danny Glover's there, because like he remembers that he left it, but he lets Danny Glover come by and get it, and that whole scene's bullshit too. When they're when they're looking, right? At, yeah. Well, Danny Glover didn't go back to get it. His partner did, and that's when his partner died. And then Danny Glover ended up with it when he found his body, and it was in his hand. How he got away with it, I don't know. I, okay, he left the spear tip. How does Danny Glover go back and get it? And how does Gary Busey's character and that whole crew of his not find that? Well, and then that when they're when they're looking it up on their computer, that takes about three seconds to figure out what it is. That it doesn't match up with any of the uh, materials we have on this earth. Like, oh, that's astonishing. It doesn't match up with anything. When you're a person that's constantly working on things and finding out that things are metal or plat, like when you're finding out all the time what these things are, you see something that's unrecognizable. You're like, "What the fuck? Where did this come from?" Like you're ah, way, she was old man. Way come more on. amazed by this thing. <laughs> it was a, it was an hour and fifteen minutes by the time she she yeah, was she tired. had a stack of papers she had to get through. Boss was busting her. She's ass. an old lady. All right, so quotes. We doing quotes? Yeah. So my favorite quote of this movie actually comes from Gary Busey, and he gives like this really long drawn out definition of what the predator is and then he looks at daddy glover and says it's a fucking alien <laughs> yeah. it was hilarious mine was a tv reporter which was i had to look it up but it was tony pope who's that the over-the-top tv reporter that was on every scene getting everybody's faces and at one point i believe it's after harrigan danny glover's character sees predator and he's trying to chase him down the street and as he's running through like past the news van tony pope comes out he's like hey harrigan more victims more mutilations and he punches pope in the face and fuck you he <laughs> <laughs> just lays him out and then and then the camera like rolls over and they're trying to get trying to call pope and you just see him passed out on the street nice I just thought that was really cool. Two-way tie for favorite lines. One of them appears in the trailer, which is Gary Busey in that same scene you mentioned, Hunter, where he goes, lions, tigers, the bears, oh my. And the other one is such a creepy fucking line. And it's one of those lines that got me back interested in the movie, just for a little bit, not too long. (laughs) 
is when the predator starts mimicking the little kid. And he oh goes, yeah, want some candy? Oh yeah, you want some candy? Yeah, anything with kids, dude. That's super creepy. Well, he's even saying it in the slaughterhouse when he's fighting Danny Glover. He's like, want some candy? Yeah. Uh, oh, did you guys see who did the symphony soundtrack for the movie? Skywalker Symphony Orchestra. Oh, really? If you YouTube search Predator 2 Dance, there's a deleted scenes of all the Predators who appear on the spaceship, choreographed dancing to Michael Jackson's Thriller. That must have been... I wonder if that was like rap. Should have put that in. Would have been better. (laughs) After the credits scene. (laughs) Yeah, you should have rolled the credits over top of that. That wouldn't have destroyed the Predator character at all. I don't know about you guys, but here was the whole issue I came up with when trying to search for predator stuff. I kept getting to catch a predator or how to how to spot a predator, like just the creepiest shit. <laughs> like I think Alien versus Predator is better than Predator 2. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. I agree. Yeah, like Alien versus Predator even though it's like the you know, nobody really enjoys a crossover movie. I don't really enjoy a crossover movie. Um, but I think it did it well enough because Predator takes the lead role and the alien takes the like the, the back seat, which I think works in the long run. Because if you try to have both the Predator and the alien being like up front in your face the whole time, like I think it would get annoying because you wouldn't be able to, to try to have It'd be too many storylines going on at once. You know what I'm saying? Well, guys, does it hold up? Or is it just another 90s piece of pie? So here's the thing. The hold-up question, like Home Alone, super successful, one of the best money-making movies of all time, won 1990, and it was huge. Does it hold up? Question works for that because it was really successful. Um, Predator 2, I, I think it was a flop. I think it made maybe $20 million more than its budget, which isn't that good, considering commercials and whatnot. Um, I don't think it holds up. I think it's really dated, even for a 1990 movie. Yeah, like, as I mentioned before, just I, I don't have too much of an issue with the story. I just felt that it was horrible casting. And I think they really could have done something pretty cool with it going into the city. I would have been happy if it was just some more Predators, maybe, or if they took the whole story, maybe it was more from his point of view. Uh, the whole time, so we got to really understand the Predator and, and, and know what, all, what he's all about, but um, yeah, I don't think it holds up, and again, I, like Ricky said, it's, it feels very, very dated to me. Well, I'm definitely with you. Like, it definitely feels dated, but I like I like the idea that I can infer about what's going on, that I can try to take the broken parts of this movie and make a kick-ass fan fiction idea, but I mean, you know, Danny Glover's awful, the script was awful, uh, I mean, the Predator was still cool, maybe not as badass as he was in the first one. But, I mean, realistically, the last 20 minutes makes up for the movie for me. So, like, I definitely... Do, does it hold up today? If you're looking for something more substantial, no. This movie doesn't hold up today. This, If this movie would have been released today, it would be a straight-to-DVD. And I would enjoy it. All right, Ricky, I think actually it's your turn to pick the next movie. Before we go to that, I give this... We were going to say we are going to give thumbs. We asked if it holds up. I give this a thumbs down. Thumbs up. You you said it doesn't hold up, Hunter, but you give it thumbs up? Of course I do. Mm. It's all about the fan fiction, man. That's what keeps me going. So you give Alien vs. Predator a thumbs up as well, right? Absolutely. Okay. A bigger thumbs up. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Prince, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs down. Would you watch this movie again? No. I could barely get through it. It took me it took me a week and a half to get through it this past time. <laughs> That's a bad movie. Well, Eric just watched it. I was busy these past two weeks. I know. He was putting it off. You were putting it off. You didn't I'll want to watch you it. Off, you mo- All right, Ricky, go. All right. When we return, we will be watching uh, one of my favorite movies. It was a toss-up between this and a couple other movies, but I decided it'd be a nice change of pace from the two others that we watched. My pick is Chasing Amy. Yay. Oh, great. Yay. Kevin Smith movie, I believe was released in 1996, starring Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, and Joey Lauren Adams. Our website is real90.com. You can find all of the episodes there, along with show notes, a spot to leave your positive and negative comments. Uh, You can also uh, subscribe to us through any popular uh, podcast aggravator. And we are also on iTunes. You can search for Real 90 on iTunes, and we will be there. And I guess until then. I'm Ricky Glore. I'm Nick Prance. And I'm Eric M. Hunter. Thanks for watching. And listening. And watching. And listening. Oh, we're off the air.